takes the tackler into the end zone. He catches it in stride and scores. This is This Week in the Mountain West. And he walks into the end zone. Touchdown, Mountain West Conference champions. Hi, this is Craig Thompson, Commissioner of the Mountain West, and you are listening to This Week in the Mountain West. On the Mountain West Radio Network. Here we go. Welcome into the Week 4 edition of This Week in the Mountain West. I'm your host, Nate Kreckman. Before we dive into the football action of the week, we need to take a moment to celebrate the career of the only commissioner the Mountain West Conference has ever known, Craig Thompson. It was announced last week that Thompson would step down from his post as Mountain West Commissioner effective December 31st, 2022. In a statement, Thompson said that his one remaining priority was to see the Mountain West through the expansion of the college football playoff, which he has done in an effort that he led for the last couple decades. Under Thompson's leadership, the conference negotiated nearly $600 million in television revenue to support its member schools. Conference teams have participated in five BCS or CFP bowl games, as well as six inaugural bowl contests. And Thompson led successful member expansion efforts over the years to strengthen the conference. On behalf of everyone here at the Mountain West Radio Network, we offer a heartfelt thank you to Commissioner Craig Thompson. And with that, let's run through a quick recap of Week 3 around the Mountain West Conference. We got it rolling last Friday night with a Mountain Division clash in Laramie, Air Force at Wyoming. The Cowboys taking a 10-point lead in the halftime, but Air Force would storm back to take a 14-10 lead in the fourth quarter before Wyoming moved down the field on an eight-play, 75-yard drive, culminating in this Titus Wen touchdown with 6.06 to play. Wyoming's hunting and going tempo here. Straight ahead, Swen. Still on his feet, still searching. He may be in. He is. Touchdown. Audio courtesy of CBS Sports, the Cowboys would force an Air Force punt and then effectively bleed the clock over the final 447 to win at 17-14 and hand the Falcons their first loss of the season. Swen runs for 102 yards and a touchdown in the win. Wyoming now 3-1 on the year. Much more on this one coming up later in the show with the voice of Wyoming football, Reese Monaco. Make it back-to-back wins now for Boise State. Hank Bachmeyer throws a pair of touchdown passes, and the Broncos handle UT Martin 30-7 on the blue. So from the four, Bachmeyer in an empty set. Three receivers left, two to the right. Bachmeyer throws it to the right. Halani makes the catch at the one, and waltzes into the end zone untouched. Bob Beeler calling the action from Learfield. Halani with one score on the ground, another through the air. Boise State now 2-1. New Mexico back in the win column with a 27-10 home win over UTEP last Saturday. The Lobo defense, the story in this one, forcing seven minors turnovers. They'll throw a slant here, tipped up in the air, intercepted. It's Rico Hanna, Hanna to the 10, Hanna to the 5, Hanna to the house. It popped up in the air and Hanna strolls in, Lobos 9, UTEP 0. That's Robert Portnoy on KKOB in Albuquerque. Hannah, the senior linebacker, added three tackles and a forced fumble in the win for New Mexico. That performance earns him Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week honors. Hawaii gets their first win of the Timmy Chang era, 24-14 over the Duquesne Dukes in Honolulu. Diedrich Parson with a couple of rushing touchdowns, and then the Hawaii defense would slam the door in the fourth quarter. Mishler dropping back. Fires it up and over, and this one is picked off. Hawaii's Panepovi, he is going to take this one to the house. He's high-fiving it into the end zone. Touchdown, Hawaii. 
John Veneri with the call on ESPN Honolulu. Pavihi, the senior linebacker from American Samoa, taking it to the house. And finally, from week three, UNLV turns a three-point halftime lead into a 31-point win, beating North Texas 58-27 at Allegiant Stadium. Junior tailback Aiden Robbins, your Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week, piling up 227 yards and three touchdowns. Shotgun, and they hand off to Robbins. He's got a hole, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown Rebels! Aiden Robbins, 33 yards. Russ Langer on ESPN 1100 in Las Vegas. The UNLV Rebels now 2-1 on the year after Saturday's impressive 58-27 beatdown of North Texas at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. The Rebels now get set to open conference play Saturday night on the road at Utah State. Joining us right now in his third season as the head man at UNLV, it's Marcus Arroyo. Coach, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, Nate. How you guys doing? Doing very well. Coach, your team beats North Texas by 31, but that was a three-point game at halftime. What did you think of your team's response in the second half and really of the way that they bounced back after a tough loss at Cal the week earlier? Yeah, I mean, I'm proud of the way that these guys' mindset and uh, the identity of the team's come along. I mean, I think we're building off of a lot of things that we instilled really in the first full season, which was last year. Those first 18 months of COVID, you don't, you don't get nothing done. And, uh, I tell you, it's just really good to see the way they got the style in which they're playing, the togetherness, and, and the brand of football that we're putting together. I think they're they showed the resiliency last year and just the first year, and then now they're putting things, putting the whole putting the whole thing together. And um, from first from week one to week two on the road, and a disappointment that we that we really let slip through our fingers to uh, to put the whole game together uh, last weekend was really nice. The talk following this game, the combination of Doug Brumfield and Aiden Robbins combined to rush for 327 yards and five touchdowns, plus the work Brumfield did in the passing game. How were those two able to be so dominant on the ground in that win? Well, I mean, that's, being explosive for us is, is is a little bit goes both ways. It's not just through the year. We've got, you know, we've recruited well and we've developed these guys in a situation in the offense now where we believe we've got some playmakers and you know, uh, Aiden and guy we brought in uh, at running back to replace Charles Williams, who was a you know uh, lead horse here for a long time, was a big was big shoes to fill. I think offensively the scheme lends itself to what you know he's able to do, and the, the old lines gelling really well both in the run game and pass game. And then you know Doug with with uh, with his arm talent that we've tried to develop um, and play and catch, and then his ability to extend plays with his feet um, are, are beginning to show that there there's a there is a nice a nice balance and a little bit of extra there to the offense. Specifically with Brumfield, he throws for 211 yards and a couple of touchdowns. This program has been searching the last few seasons for stability at that quarterback position. What is Doug Brumfield doing right now that is helping this team win games? Well, more than anything, we're healthy. It was the first time we've been here and had, you know, a healthy quarterback that's been in the system and heard what we've done. You know, um, I think that uh, Doug was Doug was uh, effective in that first full season last year to really sit down and learn it, and then he got hurt. Uh, I mean, shoot, he's still only, I think, the six or seven start. So um, he's done a nice job calming down, you know, let, letting the system come to him, playing within the system. He's got a lot to learn, a lot, a lot of season left. There's going to be a lot of challenges at that position, especially in, in early infant stages of playing quarterback. There always are. Uh, he's just done a nice job. He's done a nice job of, of working through it and, uh, again, staying healthy and getting in rhythm and getting timing and chemistry with the guys. Defensively, your group held the mean green to just four of 15 on third and fourth downs. Plus, this unit is allowing a paltry 2.8 yards per carry on the season. These are not the kind of numbers we saw a year ago. How has this group taken such a big step forward? Well, you know, Coach Hayward's come in, who's a guy who was with me at Oregon last stop. You know, one of the first guys I wanted to bring down here. And 
the timing wasn't right. We finally got him down here this year, and uh, he's done, done, done a great job with the defense. We've obviously matured. We've recruited. We've developed uh, both you know, on and off the field, and I think that you've got a group now that understands kind of how the system works, how the culture works, how the mentality of what we want to do on that side of the ball is, and they've done a really nice job. You know, we've got some new coaches and new faces and shoot 30 new players, so uh, I'm excited still about the, the, the growing of it all. You mentioned those new players. Let's talk about the impact of transfers on this team this year. Robbins from Louisville, Ricky White from Michigan State, Jordan Morgan had an interception Saturday. He transferred from Iowa State. How big have these guys been, and how do you quickly fold them into your systems and your culture? Well, first I'll just eval. I mean, you got to be out. You got to have your sights set on the right type of traits that you're looking for your program to be impact players nowadays. With with this world of free agency in a lot of ways is what it is. I mean, but Ricky and Jeff and Darius and Jordan and Aiden and, you know, all these guys across the board, we got, we got almost a dozen guys in the two deep on both sides of the ball that are new. Um, you know, our recruiting and our, our, our way with what we look for in the evaluation process, is probably the, the biggest thing I get my hats off to the staff and, and our, our process. So then you got to get them dialed in and put them in place where they can be effective and, and, uh, and you're seeing some of those guys start to start to shine right away. They did a great, great job in the off season of really uh, pulling these guys into the, into the fold. And, and now you're seeing, uh, obviously, early on in the season, some guys really start making some plays. Coach, let's talk about your home field there at Allegiant Stadium. It's massive. It's off campus. It's an NFL stadium. What are some of the ways that you have tried to really establish for your team that this place is your house, this place is your home? Well, I mean, yours off campus. In my mind, one of the reasons why I came down here is because it's on campus. But they had Sam Boyd, which was outside of the city, this one's a mile from us right on the strip. Um, we've got, that's our home field. I mean, we've got a place right now where our students can go. It's the best college, at, college stadium in the country, in my opinion. I've been all over the place. Um, it's beautiful. It's right here. We've got our brand-new Fertitta complex. We've got now the stadium down right here across the, across the strip from us. And um, We've got now more of a, a true college feel, a place that we can call home. And, and with, the, with the impact that, that Vegas has had in the sports community as it thrives here, man, this is, this is part of the vision and, and the reason we came here was, was to build something here that's special that hasn't been done and, and to be able to bring uh, the city and the, and the, and the Rebel Fountain, you know, family and um, uh, some, some real thrill to, to what we're doing in this conference and make it really tough to play here. Yeah, the Fertitta Football Complex, Allegiant Stadium, and, and you mentioned it right there. Las Vegas' emergence is a great sports city. The Knights and what they've been able to do, the Raiders, the Aces just win the WNBA championship. Right. How is all of that helping contribute to the turnaround and the profile of this program? Well, I mean, we're just trying to be part of what of the movement. I think that's what I saw when, when I, from the outside looking in when I saw this place down here when we're looking from afar after the Rose Bowl was – you know, you got a $40 million Fertitta complex, which is brand new. We felt like we could develop our players in and, and with a great facility to recruit to. We got a Legion Stadium right across the street here. We got basically, a, a now we've got a you know, college landscape, and then you've got everything around it is so sports oriented now that you start getting a fan base, you start getting a community in the city that loves sports, that's got a high standard. And, and uh, I've been in a lot of places, I've been in a lot of states, been at every level, and I know what pro sports can do to a city. If you can, get, if you can grab a hold of that and, and be on the coattails of that as the, as the movement goes and be part of it, man, you can do something pretty special. So you played your college ball at San Jose State and had a great career there, and then you really spent the formative coaching years of your career at San Jose State. And in that time, you were on the offensive staff with a guy by the name of Brent Brennan, one of our favorites here on this show. What is your guys' relationship like, and how much do you enjoy being at this level and coaching rival programs in the same division? 
Yeah, we yeah, I spent you know uh, played there and then got a chance to spend four years there with the coach Tommy. Me and Brent met there, uh, met right before that, um, and became really close. I mean, she's been my wedding, one of my one of my best friends in the world, him and his family. And uh, you know, there's a there's a, there's a ton of ton of fun that goes around on and off the field and and behind the scenes with him. And um, we're really close, talk a lot, except during the season. I, I'm, I'm getting sick of him calling and texting me because you know he's, apparently he's got more time than me. Um, so I got to figure out what his schedule's like, but. Uh, you know he's 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 a guy, man. I mean, he's just he's they don't make him like that. He's got such a great family, such a great personality. We 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 bounce a lot of things off each other, um, and can speak honestly and with a lot of humility in regards to how we do something or what we see or what we're thinking. And uh, I'm I'm just really 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 proud to have that that relationship with him. Now when it comes you know playing him, then he can you know he can go ahead and be a stranger to me. But um, <laughs> we have a good time. He's uh, he's one of the best, man. Yeah, UNLV and San Jose State coming up in a couple of weeks here. But now, looking ahead to Utah State this week, you got the Aggies coming off a bye. Offensively, they have not looked like the same team that won the Mountain West Championship a year ago. What have you seen from Utah State on film, and what are the keys for your group on Saturday in Logan? Yeah, well, I've been doing this too long to 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 to, to, to think that that team that doesn't understand what it takes to win. They've been on a bye. They've got great coaches. They, those guys were in the locker room for a Mountain West championship last year. They know what it looks like. They've got a culture. They've got great facilities. They're going to be. It, it's on the road now in conference. It'll be. It'll be. It'll give us everything we need. Um, Blake does a great job. Those guys will be. Those guys will be well, well rested and ready for us. And we got our hands full. I'm excited for our guys to get up there and get on the road and get in. Get in a little fist fight up there. It'll be fun, man. It'll be a good conference. Conference game. So conference play really kind of gets cooking this week. We've seen a few games so far. Boise State and Wyoming have pulled off conference victories. But as you look around this league here in 2022, what stands out to you about the Mountain West Conference this season? Well, I mean, I'm trying to trying to stay focused on us. I'll be honest with you. It's not, I'm not not too far out of my skis uh, in regards to watching everybody else. We, got, we have such a, a big job to do here. But I, I've said it before, and it's not just this year. It's, it's, it's a bigger picture. There's such great coaches to start with here in this conference. Uh, you've got great facilities. You've got great, you've got players that are, that are scattered all over uh, as they begin to grow and move on to the next level. I mean, the handful of guys that were in, you know, senior bowls and on to getting drafted from this conference. I mean, this is a, this conference has grown into something that's pretty special. I got, you know, four or five, 10 win teams in this conference and won the bowl cup. I mean, uh, it's no slouch. And, uh, I know we got we got everything we want in the teams we're going to play, and we got great coaches. We got to, we got to do our job, and every week's going to be a battle. UNLV off to a great two and one start. They will take on Utah State coming up on Saturday. Kickoff four p.m. Pacific time on CBS Sports Network. Marcus Arroyo in his third season at the helm there in Las Vegas. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck this week and the rest of the way. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. We'll check in on 3-1 and one Wyoming after these messages. This is Marcus Arroyo, head coach of the UNLV Rebels. We'll be back with more of this week in the Mountain West right after this timeout. This is Craig Bull, head coach of the University of Wyoming. Welcome back to This Week in the Mountain West. Already with three wins on the season and sitting atop the Mountain Division with a 1-0 conference record, the Wyoming Cowboys go on the road to face their old nemesis, the BYU Cougars, Saturday night on ESPN2. And the Wyoming Radio Network from Learfield, our next guest, will be calling the action in Provo. Joining us right now, the voice of the Wyoming Cowboys, Reese Monaco. Reese, welcome to the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Nate. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Let's start here in talking about that win over Air Force, the way the Cowboys finished. 
After that Titus win, go-ahead touchdown, the Pokes defense gets off the field. They force Air Force to punt, take over with 4.47 to go, and Air Force would never see the ball again. Wyoming converts three huge third downs, including a big throw from Andrew Peasley, a 17-yard run by Swen. That was some big boy football right there. Take us through that finish and how much fun that was to call. Well, it was a, it was, it was a blast because of what happened on that uh, Nate was that Wyoming flipped the script. That's usually Air Force that takes the ball on that final drive and runs out the clock, and the other team just has to sit there and watch. So for the Cowboys to do that and for Titus Swen on the third down and uh, to come up with uh, that big run and for Andrew Peasley with, to complete the number of passes he did, he's starting to settle in and get comfortable in this offense, and I really believe – that was uh, Wyoming's best offensive performance that uh, uh, that that they had as far as consistency goes. Usually, uh, there's uh, just something that a penalty here or there. It was just a clean game for the Cowboys offensively, and it was uh, Tim Polisek's best game calling uh, the offensive coordinator for calling a game. I just think he he was just seemed a step ahead of Air Force on that last drive. Let's talk about that Pokes defense a little bit. That Air Force offense had been absolutely rolling going into this one through the first two weeks of the season. They were averaging over 500 yards a game on the ground. At Wyoming, the Falcons held to 171 yards rushing and only 14 points. How did Wyoming do it? Well, they always say stopping Air Force starts with stopping the fullback. And the Cowboys were able to win first down and put Air Force in second and long in some third and long situations. And that defense was able to hold Roberts to just 54 yards. Uh, this is a guy that I think had a 174 yards against Colorado the week before. So uh, he was coming in. He was on a roll. He's just a big, strong, physical guy. And for the defense to slow him down and put Air Force in some uncomfortable situations, I think was absolutely huge. They started throwing the ball a lot earlier than I think they anticipated. The Cowboys, that was their most complete effort on the defensive side of the football. And the front guys, Cole Goodbow and Jordan Bertinoli, uh, they are coming into their own. And, and they, Cole Goodbow is a guy that I think could play anywhere. He is uh, turning into kind of a beast along that defensive front. Over these last three games on this win streak, Andrew Peasley has really settled in. The Utah State transfer has completed 69% of his throws, three touchdowns, only one interception. Improving in the passing game was a point of emphasis for Craig Bull and the Wyoming offense coming into this season. What have you seen from Peasley that has him playing at this consistent rate? I think you just kind of said it. He's settling in. He's getting more comfortable in this offense, and I think he's getting more comfortable with his receivers. Uh, Joshua Cobbs is starting to emerge as his go-to guy, and against Air Force, it was just more of a short, controlled passing attack, ball control, and that's what I think Craig Bull has been wanting to do for about the last year and a half is not step away from the running game. That's going to be his bread and butter. It always will be. But to have a more high-percentage controlled passing attack, and Andrew Peasley's fitting into that. And I think the first-game jitters that he may have felt against Illinois are gone, and he just uh, seems a little bit more confident each and every time he takes the field. 
After that Air Force win, Craig Bull said the guys have really embraced the state of Wyoming in the locker room yelling Powder River letter Buck. You've covered Wyoming athletics for a long time. What does it mean for a team to embrace Wyoming? Well, Wyoming's a unique place. I think you know that too, Nate. There's people here that take uh, a lot of pride in being from the state of Wyoming and to have these kids come from all over the country and embrace the fact that there's a lot of pride in this state for being one of the smallest, uh, you know, population, smallest states in the union that, you know, that way. But, and for there to be so many Wyoming kids on this team that are contributing, like Parker Christensen, uh, Jordan Bertinoli along the defensive line, and there's just a, you know, Will Pellisier, uh, they're just guys that are from the state that are coming in and making huge contributions. And that even increases that Wyoming pride even more. And for the Wyoming fans to see these guys embracing that, it just, you know, they fall in love with them a little bit more. Speaking of Wyoming pride, we saw on Monday night Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills blow out the Titans to go to 2-0. and You know, Reese, by some measures, Allen might be the best quarterback or the very best player in the entire NFL right now. What is the level of fan excitement in Laramie anytime Josh Allen is on the field for the Buffalo Bills? It's huge. Uh, I think you saw it yesterday. There was a Wyoming jersey in the stands, a Wyoming Josh Allen jersey in the stands in Buffalo. Uh, the Bills Mafia comes out to Laramie for one game, and uh, that's crazy. It, you know, every time Josh Allen introduces himself and he says Wyoming or go pokes when they're doing starting lineups, people uh, really like that. And I tell you what, Danita, there's a lot of people, a lot of analysts out there that are eating their words when it comes to that guy. They were expecting a colossal failure out of Josh Allen, but he has uh, flipped the script on them as well. And he is just, he's, there's a lot of state pride in that guy. Well, heck, his dad sang the national anthem in Friday before the Air Force game. That should tell you how Wyoming feels about Josh Allen and the Allen family. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. All right, Reese, last thing. So some of our listeners may not know, this is your first season in the booth calling the play-by-play for Wyoming football, replacing the legend Dave Walsh as the voice of the Cowboys. You've been calling Wyoming basketball for a while now. You've been a part of the broadcast for many years. But what has it been like to have the torch passed and to step into such a hollowed broadcasting role as the voice of Wyoming football? It's an absolute honor. I, I can't tell you how excited I was uh, when they were saying that I could do this and to, to replace Dave Walsh. Everybody says, you know, you've got some big shoes to fill. Well, I just tell people those are shoes you can't fill. It's kind of, you know, when you were a kid and you put your dad's work boots on, Nate, and you clomped around the house in them until you kind of figured out how to walk in them a little bit. That's kind of where I am at right now, trying to replace Dave Walsh. And hopefully I can just make it my own and win Wyoming fans over. Uh, you never replace the Dave Walsh. And uh, just hopefully I'll be able to uh, you know, put my stamp on this thing and uh, win fans over here soon. It's sounding great so far. Wyoming back at it coming up Saturday night on the road at BYU. Reese Monaco will be on the call as the voice of the Wyoming Cowboys. Reese, thank you so much. Enjoy the game coming up this weekend. All right, Nate. My pleasure. Anytime you need me. We're going to preview the entire Week 4 schedule around the Mountain West Conference, including that Wyoming-BYU matchup after the break here on the Mountain West Radio Network. This is Troy Calhoun, head football coach of the United States Air Force Academy. We'll be back with more of This Week in the Mountain West right after this timeout. 
This is Ken Wilson, head coach of the Nevada Wolfpack. Welcome back to This Week in the Mountain West. Your week four schedule in the Mountain West gets rolling with a doubleheader Friday night starting at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain Time with the conference showdown on FS1. Ken Wilson's Nevada Wolfpack taking on Air Force at Falcon Stadium on the grounds of the United States Air Force Academy. The Falcons have won four of six matchups with Nevada since they moved into the Mountain West in 2012. And Air Force has scored at least 40 points in five of those games. And then the late game Friday, Boise State visits UTEP on CBS Sports Network at 8 p.m. Mountain. Seven games Saturday starting at 12.30 Pacific with San Diego State hosting Toledo at Snapdragon Stadium on FS1. And their two losses to Arizona and Utah, the Aztecs offense has averaged just 228 total yards. They'll need to get that jump started this week against the Rockets. Colorado State still looking to get in the W column. The 0-3 Rams take on Sacramento State at Canvas Stadium in Fort Collins at 2 p.m. Mountain Time and a game you can stream on the Mountain West Network available on the MW.com. Plus, you can watch it on Evoca. Marcus Arroyo's UNLV Rebels looking to start conference play with a big bang at Utah State Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Since 2012, the Aggies have won six straight over UNLV. New Mexico is 2-1. The Lobos with a considerable challenge on deck. They'll take on LSU in Death Valley at 530 Mountain and a game you can stream on ESPN+. Timmy Chang's Hawaii Rainbow Warriors look to keep it rolling on the road at winless New Mexico State on Flow Sports at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. That's a two-in-the-afternoon kickoff local time in Hawaii. Wyoming looking to extend the winning streak to four as they'll head to Provo to face number 19 BYU at 8.15 Mountain Time on ESPN2. This is a rivalry between the Cowboys and the Cougars that dates back to 1922. And we'll close it out Saturday night. Kickoff 7.30 Pacific on CBS Sports Network. San Jose State hosting Western Michigan. The Spartans have not turned the ball over yet this season through two games. They'll take a plus-five turnover margin into Saturday night's contest. One other note, the Spartans will wear their black City of San Jose jerseys for this game. Fresno State is idle this week. And that will do it for the Week 4 edition of This Week in the Mountain West. Be sure to follow the Mountain West on all social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all the latest news, score standings, and highlights. Plus, you can always keep up with everything and get the latest content from the Mountain West Network at themw.com. I'm your host, Nate Crackman. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy week four of the college football season. This is Craig Thompson, Commissioner of the Mountain West. We'll talk to you next week right here on This Week in the Mountain West.